This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 306. Speaking like any other business is very much a momentum business. You have to do something to get the ball in motion. And so sitting back and waiting, just hoping and wishing is not a strategy. So you have to be intentional and you have to you have to make an effort. Hello and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. My name is Jeff Brown, and I believe that if you want to achieve true success in your business, and in your life, an intentional and consistent reading is a must. Don't let the fact that you don't have time to read books stop you from learning from them. We try to package the key insights and main ideas from recent books in about 30 or 45 minutes. Now, today, we're going to be joined by my friend Grant Baldwin. He's author, along with the four-time Read to Lead podcast guest Jeff Goins, of the book, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. I'll ask Grant to share about why it's important before beginning this journey to determine what problem it is you're trying to solve, two key questions to keep in mind as you prepare your talk, Grant's best advice for finding paid speaking gigs, and much, much more. And speaking of speaking, if you're looking for a speaker for your next event or conference and you need someone to speak on leadership or personal and professional growth, I encourage you to seek me out. You can write me directly, Jeff, at readtoleadpodcast.com. You can also visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash speaking. Grant Baldwin is the creator of the popular podcast, The Speaker Lab, and the online course, Booked and Paid to Speak. Through the course, Grant has trained more than 2,000 speakers. He is a popular and in-demand keynote speaker and has been speaking professionally for more than a dozen years, having given over 400 keynote presentations to audiences as large as 13,000. His new book, again co-written with Jeff Goins, is called The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. Grant, it's been a long time coming. Welcome officially to the Read to Lead podcast. All right, Jeff. Now, we've known each other for several years, and uh, we're good friends, and it has been a long time aspiration for this moment right here to be on this show (laughs) I was like, I got to get on that show, but I got to write a book first. So I knew as soon as we started the process, I was like, yes, this is this is my moment. This is my chance to, to be on the Read to Lead podcast. So uh, thanks for uh, thanks for letting me hang out with you, man. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm loving it. I, I of course, had the pleasure to interview you in other situations, but uh, have been looking forward to this myself for quite some time. Tell me, let's go back in time a little bit, Grant. Tell me about the the time you gave your first paid talk. I want to know what the experience was like and uh, more specifically, what were some of the emotions that you were feeling after it was all over? Yeah. So I, like, if we take even a step back just for some context, like I I was one of those guys that like, I was always interested in speaking. I'd done a little Mm. bit of speaking. I was a youth pastor for a minute. Uh, and so I, I felt like I was good at speaking, wanted to do more of it, just no idea what to do. And so met a couple guys who were in the speaking industry, started learning more about the speaking industry and just through some outreach and and hustle was able to book my first gig. So at the time we lived in, in Missouri and I booked this gig that was about uh, two, three hours away or so. And uh, I drove up there, I do the gig. Uh, I spoke for about 45, 
45 minutes or so to a group of about 300 people and they uh, they gave me a check for a thousand dollars and uh, I knew I knew like that's that's the amount that we had contracted for and so I knew what the check was going to be but it's still when uh, I gave the talk the talk went really well got a standing ovation they hand me the check and I talk about this in the book but I, I literally I go out into the car in the parking lot and I just broke down in tears I was like mm. I cannot believe they just paid me a thousand dollars to do that that was so much fun I have to do more <laughs> of this uh, and it really just for me it kind of affirmed this thing that I really wanted to do I, I felt like I was good at and wanted to do more of and just wasn't really sure what to do and I find that like there's a lot of speakers that we work with and that's really who the book is for is those people who felt like me when I got started I felt like I had the potential but I needed the plan I was I knew it was an okay speaker but I, I just like how do you get gigs and how much do you charge and who hires speakers and how hmm. like how does this world work and so uh, and so that that first gig that first like true you know professional paid gig really just opened my eyes to what was possible and and really you know started the ball rolling towards the uh, the, the speaking career that was over the next you know several years as i look over my shoulder on my bookshelf uh, grant there are about uh, i would say no less than 15 books on the topic of public speaking and uh, of all those books i've read yours is really i think the only one that deeply explores the business side uh, yeah. of this process. And that's one of the things I appreciated most uh, about it. So before we jump into the the five steps that you lay out in the book more specifically, can you kind of summarize them for us? Yeah. So big picture, we walk through what we call the, the speaker success roadmap. So this is a five-step framework that just walks through exactly how you should be thinking about this. So uh, it makes the acronym SPEAK, S-P-E-A-K. And so the S is for select a problem to solve, select a problem to solve. So this is where you get really clear on who you speak to and what is the problem that you solve for them. Uh, the P is for prepare your talk, prepare your talk. So once you're clear on who you speak to, what's the problem that you solve for them, now we dig into what's the solution for that audience. Uh, the E is for establishing yourself as the expert. So this comes down to your marketing materials, your website, your demo video. Uh, the A is for acquire paid speaking gigs. Uh, we talked through like some systems and, and ways to like actual nuts and bolts of how do you actually go about finding and booking gigs. Uh, and then the last one is K is knowing when to scale, know when to scale, meaning that for a lot of people who are interested in speaking, they're also probably interested in writing a book or doing a course or doing consulting or doing coaching or doing any number of things. And the reality is, is that you can do all the things but you can't do it all at once. So something's going to come first, something's going to come last. And so uh, that's the big picture. It's meant to be linear that, that you start from the S, you work your way through it. Uh, and I'm sure we'll, we'll dig into more, you know, on a, on a uh, individualized basis there with each letter and each stage of the process. But big picture, like that's, that's the five-step process that we outline in the book. How long did it take you to come up with that acronym is what I want to know. I mean, to, to, to get that to work. Yeah, it was one of those, like, I, I still remember, like, we were, um, me and some of our team were, were working on a whiteboard and we we're just scribbling out ideas and kind of talking through, you know, what the, what's the, the process, you know, mm. and really thinking this through uh, a few years ago. Uh, and we started to come up with a couple parts of it. And then, then you're like, we got to, I think we can make an acronym out of this. So <laughs> then you're kind of figuring out, like, all right, what letters, what do we need to do to create mm. some type of word here? Oh, speak would make sense. That'd work. Okay, what do we need to swap or, and move around and <laughs> reword in certain ways to make uh, speak. But uh, so it, it worked out well. So we, we had had that in place. And then when Jeff Goins and I started working on the book, he's like, let's, that's the outline right there. Let's use that. Um, mm. So it, it worked well in that sense too. Well, I think most starting out uh, would assume the process begins by determining what you're going to talk about. I know when I started out several years ago, that's kind of where I, I began, but that's not how you laid it out a moment ago. Why do we want to begin by thinking about the problem we're wanting to solve and not what we want to talk about. 
Yeah. So just because you're, you care about a topic, just because you're passionate about it, just because it's the thing that you want to speak to, doesn't necessarily mean that anybody cares about it or that anybody is hiring speakers to talk about it. So there has to be an overlap between what you're passionate about, what you're interested in, what you're knowledgeable on, what you have experience with, and what the market actually pays speakers to talk about. And I think it's also important to, to really recognize that as speakers, and not just as speakers, this is true for any entrepreneur, is that we are in the problem-solving business. And so I think with speakers, I think sometimes it's easy to say, like, I have a cool story that I want to share. You know, I I won a gold medal, or I was a war hero, or um, I overcame cancer, or I climbed Mount Everest in my shorts with uh, blindfolded. You know, and he's like, here's this cool thing that I want to tell the audience about, or I want to talk to people about, or I want to share something I've learned in business, or in marriage, or health, or whatever it may be. And you have to remember that ultimately, at the end of the day, you are in the problem-solving business, so you have to find a problem. And so, part of the challenge that a lot of speakers run into is that uh, we just enjoy speaking. Like speaking is a lot of fun. We, we want to do it to anybody and everybody. Uh, and so when people when when people ask, you know, like, hey, who do you speak to? It's like, oh, I speak to humans. I speak to people. I, I speak to everyone, uh, which doesn't work. And in, in the same way that when when someone were to ask, you know, what do you speak about or what's the problem that you solve? I say, what, what, what do you want me to speak about? I can speak about anything. Uh, and that just doesn't work. That's a horrible, horrible plan for speakers. That's a horrible plan for running a business just in general. And so one of the things that we teach inside the book is that you want to be the steakhouse and not the buffet. Be the steakhouse. <laughs> House and not the buffet. And what we mean by that is that Jeff, if you and I were going to go to lunch uh, and we were going to, we were looking for a good steak, we have a choice. Like we could go to a buffet where steak is one of a hundred different things that they offer and they're all mediocre, or we could go to a steakhouse where they do one thing and they do it really, really, really well. They don't do lasagna. They don't do tacos. They don't do pizza. They, they do steak and that's it. And that's really what you want to be positioned as, as a speaker. You want to be the steakhouse. You want to be the go-to person for this one audience, for this one topic. And the more clear, the more specific you are, are, the easier it is to find gigs, which is counterintuitive because a lot of people assume that the more topics you can speak about or the more audiences you can speak to, the more industries you can cover, the more opportunities that you get. But again, that's when you become this generalist that appeals to everybody and nobody at the same time. And that's not what people want. They want to feel like this is a, a solution that is specific to me, that this person really gets my thing. So for example, for you, Jeff, with, with the podcast, right, you serve a very specific audience and a very specific need related to you know books that come out and for authors, right? So you could say, I, I do episodes about books, but then I also do episodes about you know sports, and I do episodes about my, some of my favorite TV shows, and I do episodes about marriage. And all of a sudden, it's like I don't know what this show is anymore, right? Mm. But I, like I said, I knew from the as of years ago that the way that I could I could get on Jeff's show is that I have to write a book. It's a very specific <laughs> solution for a very specific problem that people have versus trying to do you know something for everyone. Uh, and, and this is true also just with a book. Like a way to think about this is if you were you know writing or publishing a book, like where would your book sit in the shelves of Barnes and Noble? Like what mm. section, what category would it be in versus saying like, well, it's for everybody. Well, then you're not going to find a place for it uh, in, in Barnes and Noble, right? So you got to be really clear of like, no, no, this is who this book is for. This is who this podcast is for. This is who this solution is for. So you have to be really, really clear. And if you get that part right, then everything else after that, the rest of the process becomes much, much simpler because you know who you're pursuing, you know who, you're, who has the problem that you're trying to solve. 
You know, when you talk about solving a problem, I can think back to 2008, five years before I launched a podcast. And I, I spent about five years from 2008 to 2013 trying to land on a topic that I would podcast about. It wasn't until I shifted my focus to solving a problem that I landed upon an idea. So I totally get where you're coming from with that because it's, I mean, when I do it, it works. When I don't do it, <laughs> I'm stuck. Yeah. And so even like today with your podcast, it is so much easier for audience members to find you and it's easier for you to find guests because you know like it's this very specific niche you know like here's here's the criteria here's who this is for and because of that you can also it's also very clear like who this is not for uh, and so it makes it so much simpler because again you've positioned yourself in terms of a, of a podcast this is a steakhouse and not a buffet mm. well what do you mean grant when you say or encourage us as you do to speak with integrity what does that mean exactly well, just because you you want to talk about something doesn't necessarily mean that you are, are qualified to talk about it. And I think this is also where people can can kind of overanalyze and overthink and, and feel like, well, I'm you know I'm not an expert. And so uh, an example that we've shared, and I think we talk about in the book, is uh, whenever it comes to cars. Like I am clueless when it comes to cars. So when I take my car to the local mechanic, like whoever's working on my car, if they're changing the oil or whatever they're doing, like whoever it is, to me that person is the expert. Why? Because they know more about cars than I do. Now. Does that mean that they're the world's greatest expert on cars? No. Like, I know that. They know that. But I'm not looking for the world's greatest expert. I'm looking for this one person who knows more about cars than I do. So to me, that person is the expert. Uh, I'll give you one other quick example. Last night, um, or actually to back up, my uh, my wife and I, we've been homeschooling our daughters. We have three daughters. We've uh, homeschooled them for the past six, seven years or something like that. And I say we very, very generally. Um, <laughs> my wife does 99% of it. But we have some neighbors across the street who are who their daughter is starting kindergarten this fall. And so they have been considering homeschooling. So we went over to their house last night and they're just picking uh, her brain on it. And to them, they view her as the expert because she knows slightly more about it. Now she knows and they know like she's not the world's foremost expert on homeschooling, but she knows slightly more than them. So to them, they recognize her as an expert on that subject or topic. And so that's really what you want to think about as a speaker is that, again, you don't have to be the world's greatest expert to be able to talk about it, but you do need to know slightly more than the audience about it. Uh, you know, so Jeff, for you, you are a fantastic podcaster. You know a ton about podcasting. I would view you as a podcasting expert, but you also know plenty of people that probably know more about podcasting than you do, mm. but that doesn't diminish or take away from your expertise on the topic. So, because for me, I'm not, I don't care about those other people. I'm looking to Jeff. Jeff is the go-to expert for me. Uh, and so that's the way you want to think about it is that uh, you want to make sure that you have some, uh, some experience and some expertise and some knowledge on it, but also don't feel like you have to be the world's greatest expert because that's not what people are expecting. You said Jeff is the right expert. I'm typing this so I can put it on my website. <laughs> Write it down. Put it down. <laughs> well, Grant said a moment ago, step two is uh, prepare and deliver your talk. And when I first saw this, I thought, is that really the second step? Is is, is this because the acronym forces it to be or is this really step number two? Uh, it, it felt out of order. But but once I, I read the chapters associated with that step, I thought, oh, okay, now I get it. Why is this Grant step number two? Well, because you're, you're trying to create a solution uh, for a problem you don't know. Uh, so if you do it out of order, you know, so if you're just like, all right, now I'm just going to, I'm going to start working on my talk, but I don't even know, like <laughs> if this is a talk that's a need or a thing, or if there's any, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, writing the book before you figure out what the book's about. You know, if you just, 
you can't just sit down and start typing and hope that magically a book comes together. Like it just doesn't work like that. Uh, and so you have to really begin with the end in mind. And that's what the, the first part of the process is, is I'm getting really clear on what's the problem that, that I'm going to solve. Okay. Now that I know what that is and I know that there's a market for it and I know that there's, there's, uh, there's an industry that hires speakers to talk about that. Now let's start putting together the solution. And in, in this part of the book, we talk through like the different types of talks. So you could talk about a, you know, a keynote and a workshop and a breakout and a seminar and the, how they're all different, you know, and mm. not all talks are created equal. So we kind of talk through like how you would actually create the talk, but also how you deliver the talk. You know, how do you stand up on stage? How do you put together a talk and deliver it in a way that's interesting and compelling? And how do you use humor and tell stories and slides and all the ins and outs of, of putting together and delivering a great talk? Uh, that's where we really get into with the, the prepare your talk section. Yeah, and I think, uh, wouldn't you agree that certain kinds of talks, you mentioned keynotes and workshops and I think seminars, certain people might be better suited to a certain type of talk, right? Depending on on that topic and that Oh, absolutely. That yeah, so I'll give you a quick example. So I know for me personally, just, just me, right? I know for me, I, I do really well in like one hour blocks. Uh, and I, I do great in that. So whether it's, you know, for a group of a hundred people or a thousand or several thousand people, if I'm doing like a, you know, a a 30, 45, 60 minute keynote, I'm, I'm really good in that type Mm. of setting. I feel really comfortable in that type of setting. What I don't enjoy and I don't prefer, um, whereas other people may love this is saying, okay, instead of doing a a one hour keynote for a thousand people, how about do a three day seminar with uh, 20 people. Hmm. Uh, now there's, it's not that one's better or worse than the other, but three days with 20 people, you can go really, really deep on a topic. And for me, I'm just like, I would be bored out of my mind on that. <laughs> but other people are like, there's no way I want to do, you know, one hour in front of a thousand people, but I would love to do three days and really, really, really help people in a, in a like perhaps uh, um, you can absolutely make the case that you can help them more so than the thousand people who listen to a speaker for an hour. Hmm. So again, it's not that necessarily one is better or worse than the other. Both work in different types of contexts. So it also depends on what you're trying to accomplish, what the market is used to, uh, and and how you feel like you can best help people. I, I enjoy teaching, and I'm finding a bit of success in doing uh, one and, and sometimes two-day workshops with just eight to ten people. What I've mm-hmm. found uh, through doing that is I can earn, uh, in my case, quite a bit more than I could earn from, a, from even a keynote. Yeah. And again, it's it's like they all work. This is one of my favorite things about just speaking in general, right? Mm. Is that some people listening right now are saying, I want to be a full-time speaker. Like I want to do 50, 60, 70, a hundred gigs a year. And Mm. that's fine. Like the book will show you how to do that. And other people, maybe like yourself, Jeff would say, I don't want to do 50, 60, 70 gigs a year. I've got other things going, uh, but I like speaking. I would love to do two or three Hmm. or four or five, but I don't know how to find those gigs and I don't know how much to charge and I don't know how to structure that and I don't know how to put together a talk and, and you know, it all just feels a little bit fuzzy to me. And so we wanted to to demystify that and show all the different ways that that you can use speaking in your business. So whether Hmm. someone speaks a hundred times a year or five times a year, it's not that one is better or worse than the other. It just really depends on what is your goal with speaking and how does speaking fit into the business model of what it is that you're trying to accomplish and how you're trying to help people? So speaking is can look a lot of different ways. It, it's not at all a, a one size fits all of you have to do it this way in order to be a speaker. Yeah. Well, as you're preparing your talk, uh, there are two uh, key questions that Grant says you need to keep in mind throughout the preparation uh, process. Uh, and I, I benefited from these greatly. Grant, what are they and, and why are they so important? 
Yeah, the two questions you really need to answer are so what and now what? Mm. So what and now what? So the audience is always asking themselves these questions. So as they're listening to your talk, as you're putting together the talk, you want to think through so what? Why should the audience care? Why does this matter? How will this help them? Because uh, again, put yourself in the receiving end. You've been in the audience before and you're mm. listening to a talk and you're like, it's good. It's interesting. It's fascinating. It's compelling. It's uh, motivating. It's whatever. But so what? Like, how does this apply to me? Like, why, <laughs> why should I care? Or why does this make any impact on my life? So always be thinking through so what and now what? what what am I supposed to do as a result of it what you don't want to have happen is what happens oftentimes when when someone speaks is that they the audience leaves and they're like it was a good talk I, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do with it. You know, do you want them to act differently or think differently or feel something differently? What do you want to happen as a result of your talk? So that is a good litmus test to just to think through is, is again, just so what and now what? Does my audience know why this matters and does my audience know what they're supposed to do with it when they leave? I really liked, Grant, your description of, of finding a rhythm uh, for your talk. There are these sort of five things you go through as you unpack a point in your talks. Do you mind sharing some of that? Yeah. So I think uh, like a, a good presentation has kind of a natural flow to it. So for me, a lot of times what I like to do is if I'm presenting like multiple points, for example, I may give a point, but a lot of times what I want to do immediately is use some type of story or example or analogies. Or let's let's take this, for example, like I, I went back earlier and I'm um, uh, talking about the selective problem to solve. And then I'm immediately saying, OK, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like the steakhouse on the buffet. So here's an analogy or here's how this applies, Jeff, specifically to you, or here's how this works in Barnes and Noble. Mm. And I want to give those type of like stories or examples or uh, analogies to help connect the dots for people to show like, okay, this is what it actually looks like. Because sometimes just explaining the concept, people are kind of like, okay, I think I get it and I can kind of conceptualize it. But when you show other ways that this is applicable or you show how this works or you share a story of how this played out, then I think it's a lot more likely that people can can gravitate towards that and can make that connection. So showing something like that, uh, also just, again, giving the application of what are you supposed to do as a result of this? this. So I just shared this point with you. I just shared this idea with you. Now what? What are you supposed to do as a result of that? But I think as you speak, it has kind of this natural ebb and flow to it that you, you know, you give a point and then you share a story or you give an analogy and and then you make some application. Then you give a point and you share and you just kind of have this woven through the talk. uh, So it feels like there's this natural flow to it versus some presentations just feel uh, like you're not really sure where they're going and it feels very Mm -hmm. disjointed and it feels very disconnected. And you're like, I'm not really, I'm having a hard time following and I'm not really sure what's happening right now or where we're supposed to be in the, in the process here. You know, think about it like a road trip. You know, you want to pick up the audience at the same spot and you want to drop them off at the same destination. Now you can go a lot of different ways to get there, but you want to make sure that the audience stays with you and that you're not losing them along the way. So creating a good rhythm to your talk can help you do that. How important do you consider the open, the first 60 seconds, two minutes? Oh, it's critically important. So a mistake that a lot of speakers make is we get up there. Hey, I just want, I'm so excited to be here. This is all, I've never been to Des Moines. This is amazing here. Uh, we love it here. Uh, we had a chance to eat at your Applebee's last night and it was, it was great. It was great. You guys really need to try that Applebee's. Also, I have so many people I want to thank for letting me be here. Like that's, that's what a lot of speakers do. And you're wasting those moments. Like those first few moments are 
so vital and so important because as soon as you get up there, the audience is already making assumptions about you. Like before you even say anything, just the way that you look, the way that you dress, the way that you walk out on stage, they're already thinking like, do I like this person? Do I trust this person? Am I going to be interested? I'm willing to like hang on for a minute or two, but if I get bored real quick, we all have these devices in, in our pockets or in front of us in form of a laptop or a computer. And if I'm not hooked right away, if I'm if it's not compelling, I got a plenty of other distractions I can go to. So the attention span for most people is just very, very, very limited. And so mm-hmm. those first few moments, uh, you cannot waste them on thanking everyone who made this moment possible for you, right? This is not the Grammys <laughs> or something. Like you got to get into it. You got to hook them uh, immediately versus just wasting those moments on, on you know, silly, frivolous stuff. I remember I was speaking once and, and this may have been, this is probably the only time you've ever seen me speak. And, and on sort of a whim, I went out on stage and decided to, <laughs> you probably remember this, open with what in my mind was a, a jab at the organizer, at the event uh, host. And it was something like, well, I'm not so-and-so, I'm not such-and-such, I'm the guy he didn't have to pay uh, uh, you know, to fly here or something like that. Yeah. And uh, six months later, I was sitting down with somebody who was at that that event. And they're like, when you said that, I wanted to punch you in the throat. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, they were making the point that that painted me in yeah. a, you could have had so-and-so, but you got this guy kind of like. Yeah. 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 And even I would say like before, um, for those who are doing like a, a lot of speeches and are doing a lot of, of uh, are, are viewing themselves as like a professional speaker, uh, the introduction that you have someone read can really make a big difference as well, mm. because that also can set the tone because, you know, you saying it, you're, you're saying it in a, um, uh, kind of a self-deprecating way. Um, even if it, if it came across, you know, um, uh, weird to, to an audience member, but if let's imagine the event organizer said that it's like, well, you know, we had some good options. This was the best we could get. Um, <laughs> please forgive me. Okay, please welcome. You know, then, it, then immediately you're walking up there and people are like, all right, well, yeah. if that, if the person reading the intro doesn't really care, then why should I care? <laughs> right. Um, so it immediately like yeah. puts you in a deficit before you've even said anything. Mm. So that introduction can really make a big difference too. Yeah. Let's move to step uh, three. We've gone through steps one and two predominantly. Uh, What are some of the more important things to consider when it comes to establishing your expertise? What would be the top one or two things you you would recommend? Yeah. So this really comes down to your marketing materials. So you're clear on on who you speak to, what's the problem that you solve, you have your talk, and now we got to start letting people know that you exist, that this is something that you can do and that you can help them with. Uh, and so this comes down to two primary marketing tools. One is your website, and number two is your demo video. So website and demo video. In this day and age, like if, if you don't have a website, you don't exist. Like People won't take you seriously. And so if you are talking to a potential client and they say, hey, would, you know, I'd love to check out your website, and you're like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't have one, or I'm, I'm still working on it, or it's not ready. It's just hard for people to take you seriously. So you, you you need to have a website. And we recommend that because as a speaker, you are the product, you are the brand, because this is basically a personal brand, uh, we recommend that you use your name as the domain. So I actually had to purchase grantbaldwin.com from another guy named mm. Grant Baldwin. I actually purchased the domains for my wife and all three of my daughters. Uh, and I'm squatting on those until I can sell it back to them at an exorbitant rate someday. Uh, but you, you really want to have your name as the domain. Uh, so 
one is going to be the website. Number two is going to be the the demo video. Now, a, a demo video is, is an area where people can tend to overthink it and kind of get hung up on it. But a demo video, think of it like a movie trailer. Like a movie trailer is basically they take like a, a 90 minute movie, they boil it down to two or three minutes. And within those two or three minutes, you have a sense of, you know, the plot, the theme, the who's in it. And the goal of the movie trailer and the goal of the demo video is to make you want to see more. You, mm. Whenever you you are watching a movie trailer at a movie, you, you immediately, like, I know for my wife and I, like we're turning to each other and we're either like, ah, oh, I can't wait to go see that. That looks amazing. <laughs> we have to, oh, we got to write that down. That's going to be awesome. Or like, that's dumb. There's zero chance we're ever going to go watch that. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's that's what you want to, you. that's what you want the demo video to do is you want for an event planner who sees that to say, wow, that, that speaker is really good. That That's what we're looking for. This would be great. I need to have that conversation with them. They're not going to watch some 45 or 60 minute video. If they're considering, you know, if they're looking at you and five other speakers, they're gonna, they would love to watch two, three, four minutes from each of you. And that gives them enough to get a sense. And same thing with like a movie trailer. Like a lot of times with movie trailers, if, if we had anyone watch five movie, movie trailers, they're probably not even going to need to see all five of them. Mm-hmm. There's, there's going to be some of them that they're like, I'm going to watch the whole thing because it seems interesting. And some of them I'm going to watch 30 seconds of if that and immediately be like, this is not for me. Mm. I'm sure it's an amazing movie. I'm sure they spent a ton of money on it. I'm sure it's going to win some awards. It's just not what I'm looking for. And so that's what you're trying to do with the demo video is give them something that gives them a sense of like, this This is how I speak. This is how I interact with the audience. And here's why you should have me come speak. So those are the two key tools that you really need. You need that website and you need the demo video. Uh, I mentioned a moment ago that one of the things I like about Grant's book is uh, he delves into the business side uh, of the process. And that's uh, where these uh, last uh, two or three steps sort of have their focus. And step four is is one that I think is probably one of the hardest steps for most people. Correct me if I'm wrong. And that's, that's finding the paid gigs. Yeah. So the, the mistake that uh, speakers make at this point is, all right, again, we're, we're clear on who we speak to, what's the problem that we solve. We have our talk together. We have our website. We have our video. And now we just sit back and we wait for the phone to <laughs> ring. And it just doesn't work like that. Like your mom is thrilled about your website, but nobody else cares. Hmm. So she's going to tell both of her friends, but nobody else is interested in your, your site or your video. So speaking like any other business is very much a momentum business. You have to do something to get the ball in motion. And so sitting back and waiting, just hoping and wishing is not a strategy. So you have to be intentional and you have to you have to make an effort. Uh, and so one of the ways that you can do this is by beginning to email potential event planners. And so again, once you're clear on this is who you speak to, this is the problem that you solve, uh, you could go onto Google and you could do a search for those type of events. So let's say, for example, let's say that you speak to, uh, I don't know, dentist, okay? Uh, you want to speak to dentists, you, you come from a, a dental background, you want to speak to dentists about how they can use better customer service in the, within their practice. Hmm. Uh, and so you could do a search for dentist conference, dentist association, dentist group, dentist event. You can look this up by state or region or province or territory. You could look up other speakers who are speaking to dentists to see what they're speaking at. And what you're starting to find is you will find various events around this subject or topic. Uh, and it is much simpler to get an organization or group to book you if they're already used to hiring speakers. So for example, that event that, that you referenced that you and I both spoke at, the, the guy that was putting that event on, he put it on on an annual basis. And so we didn't, neither of us had to convince him to hire a speaker. He was already mm-hmm. planning on hiring a speaker either way. And we just showed him why we were a good fit for the event. Uh, and so that's really what you're, you're, you're trying to do there. It's just showing like, um, uh, you're showing, we're reaching out to these potential event planners and showing like, this is why I'm a good fit for your event. Now you have to also recognize that 
that whenever you do this, you have to be smart about it. You have to be strategic about it. So just taking like the, the spray and pray approach of uh, <laughs> I'm just going to copy and paste and send this this email blast to a whole bunch of people and hope it works out. Like that that doesn't work. Like we all get everyone listening. We all get a whole bunch of emails on a daily basis, and we can tell the difference between an email that was written specifically to us versus an email that was written to us and thousands of other people. So you want you want to take the time to personalize it, to customize it, to make sure that it it, it increases the likelihood of getting read and responded to. The other mistake that speakers make whenever they send that email is that they make it way too long, and uh, it sends like some 98 paragraph email about why they are so awesome and why, here's my life story and here's every link to every possible thing I've ever done and here's everything that I talk about and here's why you should hire me and here's why I'm amazing and yada 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 and like if, if you got if you got some 98 paragraph email from someone you didn't know and the whole thing's about how amazing they are and why you should hire them and give them money no one would read that. No one's going to, they're going to delete that. Uh, and so what I try to do is I, I send some short, simple email. And the goal of that initial email is I want them to reply. Uh, I want to give them something to reply to versus just kind of this vague email of like, hey, I'm a speaker. I think I'd do a good job for your event. So if you ever need a speaker, just let me know. Like there, there's nothing to respond to there. And it just kind of gets <laughs> filed away and, and gets archived or deleted. So a lot of times I like to, to ask a question or do something that starts some type of dialogue that gives them something to respond to versus, again, kind of just this open-ended thing. So starting the process by, again, just sending an emails can work well. Uh, building relationships with other speakers can be very effective for referral business and for um, spinoff business. Anything that you ever speak at, asking that client for other recommendations or referrals whenever you are speaking that you are asking the audience if just to put you on their radar if they know of any events that that may need a speaker uh, but basically you're just you're trying to plant seeds everywhere possible and let people know that this is what you do people won't think of you if they don't know that you're a speaker and so if you just kind of keep it to yourself and say well I'm a speaker but I don't want to tell anybody then nobody's going to think of you but when you <laughs> when you start letting people know via you know social media and via your website that you are a speaker and here's what you speak about then it's a lot easier for someone to be like oh I I totally know uh, who you need to hire. So it'd be like, Jeff, you and I don't live too far apart. So if I called you and said, hey, man, I'm, I'm having some trouble with my car. Do you know of a good mechanic? You might be able to give me a name of someone because you know that that person is a mechanic, hmm. right? So the person who's thinking, who's who's at home in their garage thinking like, all right, I got my website, but I'm not going to tell anybody I'm a mechanic. <laughs> then Jeff's not going to think of you whenever it's like the opportunity comes up for him to recommend or refer a mechanic. Mm -hmm. So you have to let people know that this is what you do. And so this is where it starts the, the process of beginning to, to reach out and find gigs. So step five, you, you mentioned a moment ago that, that being a full-time speaker doesn't necessarily have to translate into, you know, 100 gigs a year or whatever. What are some, some ways to scale this? Yeah. So again, like we touched on the, you, you, there's no right or wrong amount to do this. And so some of it depends on your business model. So for example, there are some speakers who, and this was me largely at the beginning of my career where uh, I would go speak, I would collect a check and that was the end of the transaction. Mm. Uh, and there's other speakers. There's a student that we've worked with who they speak primarily as lead generation for their coaching business. So their coaching business is a multiple six figure business. Uh, and all they do is speak for free as lead gen. So mm. on paper, you're like, wait, they speak for free. What, why do you do that? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> But the whole thing has built their their multiple six figure uh, uh, coaching business because of the lead gen. Uh, so again, there, there's there's no right or wrong way to do it in, in terms of what you want to do. I know that some speakers we work with that say, I want to speak five times a year, and I want to speak you know geographically within a couple hours of where I live. 
uh, I don't want to speak specifically to this industry uh, on this topic. Awesome. You, you can find that. It certainly limits your options, but you can do that. Um, I, I talked to a speaker yesterday who said they're a very successful speaker, and she was saying she doesn't do gigs on Saturdays, and she doesn't do gigs on Mondays because mm. it requires her to fly out on Sunday. She's like, I don't want to be gone for my kids. Uh, and so mm. as a speaker, like the point being, you make the rules. You get to decide, this is how it works for me. And so you know that like there's a trade-off whenever you do that, but again, you get to decide of what that looks like. So whether you do five gigs or a hundred gigs, uh, both can work, both can be effective, but you have to be clear on what it is that you're trying to accomplish. You know, that, that is such a, a good point. I remember starting this podcast and, you know, I did interviews any uh, time I could get one and that eventually transitioned to, you know what, I just want to do interviews on a certain morning of the week and, and yep. that's when I'm going to do them <laughs> and uh, work that way. And, and I have so many of my, my clients who have, have had that same struggle of of, of not realizing uh, for a time that you actually get to decide how you want this to, to work and flow. We have more control, in other words, than we sometimes realize. Yeah. And you can certainly look to like, I, I recommend that you look at other speakers and see how their business is set up and structured. Look to speakers who are a step or two ahead of you, not light years ahead of you, mm. but look for other speakers who are doing something similar to see what they're doing. Now, it doesn't mean that you, you you should copy them. I don't recommend that, but it gives you something to look at it like, okay, there's an example. There's a model. There's a template of how this could be done. I, I do this regularly in my own business is look to other people who are, okay, a step or two ahead and I see how they're doing it. And here's how, here's how we could do something similar. Here's how that would apply to us. Again, not to create carbon copies, but to just say, there's an example, there's a template of what that can do. So how can I model that in a way that makes sense for me and, and my business and what I'm trying to accomplish? I'm going to start a new business called Booked and Paid Not to Speak. <laughs> <laughs> there's people who, and then, you know, there's people right now who are listening who are like, I love speaking. I want to speak as much as possible. And people, uh, I know like my wife, who's like, I despise the idea of speaking. Like that just seems like the most ridiculous, foolish thing that anyone could ever do. Uh, and, and, every, and everybody in between. Uh, so uh, a lot of people love speaking. A lot of people hate speaking. Hmm. Well, I've got a couple of questions, uh, Grant, I want to ask you that aren't directly related to the book. But before I do that, I want to give you a chance to share anything else from the book you want to make sure we know is. If, if anything. Yeah, I think the big thing is, again, for, for someone who is just getting started and looking for a step-by-step -step guide, handbook, playbook, this is the guide that you need. The, the successful speaker, five steps for booking gigs, getting paid, building your platform. It walks you through exactly what you need to know. Uh, we also really designed it to be that, that kind of handbook and guide that you can use long-term. So maybe for you, you go through a few chapters that feel relevant today. Maybe you just you know booked one of your first gigs and you need to, there's a section in there about the, the contract and the agreement and what needs to happen that you just got booked. Now what? What do you do? Or as you're working on the talk, you know, thinking through the presentation and then as you're putting it together, you can pull those chapters out. Or before you're delivering it, you know, thinking through how do you practice and prepare and rehearse and slides and uh, technology and the room setup and all that stuff. Uh, all of that's in there. So it's something that we want you to be able to refer back to uh, over time versus something that, you know, I read, I finish and put on the bookshelf and I never touch again. Like this is something, again, whether you want to do one gig a year or someone who has a lot of experience with speaking and they're just trying to find tune their systems and get better uh, and be more proactive and intentional about building and growing their business. Uh, there, you'll, there's a lot of takeaways here as well. We've heard from a lot of speakers who are professional speakers who do a bunch of gigs a year who are, are very experienced who said, you know what, there's several different you know, uh, tips and tricks and hacks and, and tactics and, and little strategies that I learned that I've applied to my business that have really, really helped. Because uh, the thing with with speaking is you absolutely have the ability to earn you know, significant income and make a significant difference. So a few little ideas from a, a $20 book can really 
move the needle for for speakers in a lot of ways. Well, I mentioned I've got 15 public speaking books on my shelf. Uh, one of the reasons is is because it's a topic I'm really passionate about. Uh, in fact, every interview that I do, I also ask a question uh, related to public speaking, with the exception of ones like this one, because the whole conversation was about that. Uh, but among those 15 uh, books on public speaking that I've read, uh, Grant's is is far and away the most practical, and it's the only one that I feel like is is an A to Z public speaking book. Uh, it just covers all facets of the process and uh, leaves nothing to question, I, I think. So so kudos to you, Grant, for such a thorough uh, thorough coverage of, of, of the process from, from point A to point, point Z, I guess. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And that's a bit of what we found is there absolutely, there's a lot of, of resources and books and tools on the art of speaking and how do you create and deliver a great talk. And again, like we've touched on, we, we do cover some of that in the book, but a lot of people are still wondering, okay, I know how to put together a great talk. I don't know how do you how do you find a gig and how does that whole world work and so that's that's really what we also wanted to create was a resource that that digs into that and can really uh, simplify and demystify here's here's what you need to do if you want to find a book speaking gigs. You have uh, a fair number of books on your shelf at home. I do. I have a, I'm kind of browsing around here. I've got a few. I'm curious to know if you're willing to share what's impacted you. Uh, over the years, or if it helps to narrow it down uh, more recently, uh, what are you reading that's uh, something maybe you go back to again and again? Yeah, one of my favorite books is one that's uh, several years old, was a book called Rework. Uh, it's by the guys who have the software company Basecamp. Uh, the company is the same name, yeah. uh, Jason, Jason Freed. The The way that they, it's, it's a very simple book. They're all, it's a whole bunch of just short chapters, probably, I don't know, 50 short chapters. But the way they just think about and approach business, I really, really re- resonate with. They, they're guys that have a, a very successful business, but they've, they've, again, they've made the rules for the game for themselves. And they've been very intentional about it. And, and I've been reading. It's not necessarily. It's a new er book. I think it probably came out within the last year. But their newer book is called uh, "It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work," and it's it's, it's similar concepts of just like this is how they operate. This is how they think. This is their methodology. Uh, and it just I really really resonate with that. So one thing that I've I've done some speaking on. One thing that it, I tell our team all the time. I think about for myself is the idea that who you are is more important than what you do. Who you are is more important mm-hmm. than what you do. Meaning that you know Jeff, if you and I are, are great entrepreneurs and and speakers and and do all this stuff, but like we drop the ball as as husbands or fathers or human beings like Mm. we're this shell of a human like we're doing it wrong that's not the way this was designed to work so i always want to make sure like yes i'm i'm a motivated driven guy and I want to be successful as an entrepreneur and I want to help a lot of people and make a difference. But I also don't want to do that at the detriment of, you know, my family. And so I want to be, you know, that's the area I, I want to be successful in. So yeah, bo- both those books rework. And then also uh, it doesn't have to be crazy at work. Both of those are, are really great books. I have not read either one of those. So now I have some homework. Thank cool. you. Is it safe to assume that uh, the Baldwin group uh, is already working on the next thing, not necessarily the next book, but, but I guess what I'm trying to say is what's ahead for you that you're excited about? Yeah. So within the book, I mean, we, we don't hold anything back. This is something that, that, um, you know, Jeff Goins was really helpful with is saying, no, 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 don't, don't hold anything back. Don't say you got to go here to download, you know, the rest of it. So it, it's all there. Mm. What we have found though, is it's still difficult for some people to implement and apply. Uh, and so it's kind of like, I've heard the expression that it's hard to read the label from inside the jar. Mm. Uh, and so some people can, they'll read everything in there and they're like, I just need help implementing them. So that's the core of what we do today with the speaker lab. 
is we have uh, several different programs that just help people go into the weeds of, of how to do this and how to implement this. And so we get in the trenches with you and several different individual and group coaching that we do and several different uh, done for you components where we help you find speaking leads. Uh, we help you create your website, create your demo video uh, and several of these things that, again, anyone can do. We show you what to do. But if you need help implementing that, then uh, that's the core of what we do uh, inside our programs at the Speaker Lab. TheSpeakerLab.com, GrantBaldwin.com. The book again is The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. Grant, thank you so much for finally getting around to appearing on the Read to Lead podcast. It's about time. <laughs> I'm going to sleep well at night knowing that my dream has been achieved. So, Jeff, thank you so much for this. This is a huge honor. I really appreciate you and have nothing but respect for you. For a complete list of resources that Grant and I talked about, including the websites he mentioned and the books he recommended, just visit the blog post created just for this episode. You'll find that at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 306 for episode 306. Remember, if you're in need of a speaker on leadership or personal and professional growth, visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash speaker. I'd love to help make your next event a success. For comments, questions, suggestions, or feedback regarding the podcast, you can email me directly, jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time on the podcast when we'll be chatting with Bruce Daisley, author of the book, Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat, 30 Hacks for Bringing Joy to Your Job. Again, that's next time on the Read to Lead podcast. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Lead.